Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I believe this is episode 209 and yes. I'm really excited to have my friend Alma Hoffman. She also teaches with me so I actually could shout and you could hear her <laughs> or me in there. Um, yep. I could, I could, um, I'm excited to have her on. She's really brilliant. She's, she will get embarrassed me saying this, but she's really brings something else to sketchnoting. She actually has inspired a bunch of people to start sketchnoting and she actually kind of coming with um, she didn't, wouldn't want me to say this a little bit of the science behind because she does really do a ton of research on it so this is a first time we've ever done this with design recharge this is a four-part series I'd love to know what you guys think and um, oh doc said that just because he, he he said he's not really here but he's super great to be friends <laughs> with and everybody's super supportive in here so i'm excited to have you so alma thanks for sharing your day with me you're welcome <laughs> thank you all right so me. so let's um let's get started um i want you to give us a little bit about your background and where your love for sketching and sketch noting began Wow, that's a long story. Um, I guess my background, well, I am from Puerto Rico originally, and I have a degree in art education. And um, I grew up, you know, like every other kid who says, all my life I've been, I've been drawing, designing, whatever. But I didn't have, um, I lost my discipline somewhere in college. The first time I went to college, I took my first drawing class with the artist and professor, Lope Max Diaz who we are in touch all the time together. And he told me, you're very talented. You should quit what you're doing, which at the time was sociology and social work, because I wanted to save the world, I guess. And he said, you should, you should stop wasting your time and become a designer or an artist. And I was like, whatever, yeah. And, but I went to teach junior high school and I became very bored. I mean, it was a great experience. I loved the kids, they loved me. We, I had, I had a blast, but I was bored with, I was restless. I wanted to do more. So I came to the States and I did a degree in graphic design. And it was there when I discovered that sketching, what sketching was. I guess I didn't know really what sketching was until I started to take these classes and they asked you to do research and I had to do sketch. And I was like, how exactly do you sketch? Well, it turned out that there were smaller compositions proportional to the outcome, etc. I had a lot to learn that I, I didn't have in my vocabulary. But my binders, my process binders, which I do ask my students to do, were humongous, were big. And my professors gave me a lot of encouragement because of that. And I started to see how in the binders, in that process, in the sketches and all that, there was a lot of thought, there was a lot of thinking that somehow you lost in the final. Because the final is the final. Once it's the final, it's just there. But those pages would say the story of your project. And I love that process a little bit more than the actual final thing. So, but ironically, I didn't see the connection between that and taking sketching to other things, to other areas of my life, or sketching for this, or, or visual journaling like some people do now and, or have done for a while. And even though we all know Leonardo da Vinci has these notebooks where he used sketching and drawing to explore everything, it didn't occur to me that I could do that. I mean, talk about a dog thing, you know, in my head. So fast forward to 2010 or 2009, I met this kid um, in a class, Harrington College of Design in Chicago. 
And I was doing a lecture, and this is a bona fide lecture with 40, 50 people in a classroom, and I, I'm standing in the front giving this lecture. And I see this, this student who went by the name of Patrick, that, that, was, a, um, that was his nickname, doing doodling a monster, you know, with all this detail. And, you know, professors, we are narcissistic, so anything that's not attention on us, we become nervous. So I started to look at him, you know, giving him my needle eyes, and he kept drawing unbothered. And I said, you need to stop that. And he was like, wait, what? And I said, you need to stop that. And at that moment, I, I was scared. You know, I, was, I thought, what did I do? What am I getting myself into here? My TA got up too, because this tense silence, you know, permeated the room. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how do I get out of this? And the kid was very upset, put the pencil down and looked at me with, I mean, if he could have killed me with his eyes, he would have. <laughs> and I just, just, just stayed with me. And then at the end of class, he came to talk to me and told me, I was paying attention to you. And if you give me a test right now of everything you said, I could answer that. Because that's the way I keep attention. I keep paying attention to you. And I, I was so skeptical. Well, I went to the train station. I had to walk two blocks every night and... In that moment on Twitter, I got this tweet uh, from a slide presentation from Eva Laura Lam, which is a, she's a user experience designer in London, and she is the queen of sketch noting. And I saw this slide presentation of how she would do it. Um, it's Lam without the B, just Lam. Oh, L-A-M-M? Yeah. Just I have like, her book. I got it after you told me about that, yeah. but I couldn't remember. Sorry. Her okay. sketch notes are amazing. She had this slide presentation on how to do it. And suddenly it was this light bulb came on and I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? So I went home and I started to research all of this and I started to read articles on um, several um, uh, websites um, that are dedicated to website development. Interestingly enough, this started with website people, with developers and designers that worked with technical stuff all the time. And I said, but of course, how did I not think about this before? You can take sketches instead of writing every single word and breath a person takes, just sketching or concepts or ideas around what the person is saying. And that becomes not only more memorable, but also more meaningful to you because you're bringing yourself to the, to the equation. So I went back to class all excited to show this slideshow presentation that she had done and he missed classes that day. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, I have no redemption. And... Then we talked uh, briefly, but he had to skip class. He had to withdraw or something happened. I can't remember what it was. And I ended up helping him with the paperwork, but I never was able to tell him, thank you for that, for that moment, that confrontation, because it forced me to look into this a little bit more and to really consider that this is actually legitimate, a legitimate way to retain information. Around that time, Jackie Andrades, which is like a psychologist in England, uh, had done this study of doodling and she tested 20 people doodling uh, RSVP information and 20 who didn't. And the 20 who didn't um, doodle couldn't remember as much as the others. The others remember about 29% more information uh, when they were taking this, uh, this information over the phone. And that became sort of the bedrock for a lot of designers. And Mike Rody included, you know, he wrote the book, on, he's considered the father of sketch noting. And Everybody just started to latch onto that. So it became a movement. Now it is a movement. In the meanwhile, I was thinking, how can I do this myself? Because I was always looking for a way to 
you know, when you have clients and you're a designer, everything depends on the client. You know, you have a project and you sketch. But I, I wanted more. I wanted more than that. And I felt like these gaps were sucking the energy out of me. What do I do in between? Right. And this gave me an opportunity. So I go to church with my bag and my markers and my sketchbook. And everybody knows I'm sketchnoting. I go to meetings, whether it's a pencil or a, or a pen, I'm sketchnoting. I'm famous for my meetings, for my notes from meetings, because everybody knows they're going to be very visual. Um, and I did, I, everywhere I go now, I just do it. I guess that was a very long answer. Does that answer your question? No, that, that is perfect. <laughs> so it really went from you not believing and you yeah. really not to just seeing something on Twitter and then it, um, and then it gave validation to what this kid was saying. And then you kind of got the science and yeah. you kind of got the bug from, mm -hmm. from that science. Yeah. So then, um, so if you were, cause I do think that we've talked about a lot of things that how the brain works and stuff like that. So I always try to ask this question. I think Brian White asked this question the first time. Um, and I love this question. So it was, what would you tell your younger self to do differently if you could go back in time and how far back in time would you go? Wow. I would go very far in time. <laughs> um, like I said, I was this kid who was always drawing and I was the kid who we had this desk in school, you know, with the, the, the desk on top that was shiny, right? And, and light color wood. I would take the pencil and draw all over it. And then before class was over, I would erase it all because my friends would tell me, Everybody knows that you're the one who draws. So everybody knows it was you. And I was like, okay, so I would erase everything. And then, but on the back of the notebook, I would do all this, Alma was here and eyes and pictures and whatever. And in the meanwhile, I was always drawing at home. I was always, I always have a notebook with me and I had, I mean, drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. And I would do no novels, like graphic novels. I had one that circulated around the school called the, how is it called? The, the cursed treasure or something like that. <laughs> My parents didn't keep anything. Uh, they didn't keep anything of that. So I don't have any evidence. I don't have, I only have my memories. And I regret that. I regret the mm. fact that I didn't have, I guess, more of a serious validation to what I was doing. Of course, now they're proud of me. My mom is super proud of me and my dad was proud of me before he died. But, but when you're growing, to be able to look back at that, and I guess I would tell myself, keep doing it. You know, no matter what, keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep doing it. Keep those notebooks. Now I have boxes and boxes and boxes. Every time we move, we move like five boxes of my sketchbooks with me because I cannot depart from them. But that's what I would say to myself. Don't so, stop. Just keep going. So where was it and why did you stop? So because there, this is something I think that fascinates you because you really think back in, a, a, you know, 300 800 years ago, maybe, I don't know, 800, that might be a little much, but, um, <laughs> but a, a long time ago, people would sketch for everything. It wasn't yes. just for design or for art. And so why do you think you stopped? Why do you think you stopped sketching? Or why do you think people stop sketching? Well, I guess in my case, it's like, well, this is a good question. And that's one of the things I would like to research. I think it has a lot to do with education and how education has, has become divided. We uh, keep drawing uh, color pencils and all of that for the arts, for the art classes. So if you're not an artist or a crafty or an artsy farsi person, you don't get to use that because that's not hardcore science, because that's not, it's too intuitive, it's too artistic, it doesn't prove anything, etc., etc. So there's this, I guess, sentiment among people still that 
drawing is not a legitimate way to acquire knowledge. Right. But then you only have to look at the books of Leonardo da Vinci to know that that's not true. But somehow um, we just got that twisted around and we don't see the connection. In my case, I think it was a little bit part of that and also a little bit part of laziness and you know, not knowing what to do with it and knowing where to take it, not having a goal in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I went to school. Um, an art school, even though it was a consideration, it, it had to be uh, like a traditional schooling, and which, which is when I met Lope Max and he said, wake up, you know, you should be doing this. But it took me a while to integrate it. I did not, myself, I did not think I was that talented. Um, I didn't. I, when he told me those words, it was like, wow, that somebody thinks that of me. That's amazing. Because I didn't think that I was that much. Now I look at my stuff when I, that I kept, I kept things from that class, and I'm like, well, that was pretty good, you know. But you have this sense of, you betray yourself. You know, you're on your, your worst enemy. I mean, we're good critics as designers, but we're also very harsh, and we don't acknowledge that, well, you know, you keep telling me this, and I'm like, no, not really. No. <laughs> But it's, like, but it's true. And Joe actually says he gave you a plus one already. And he oh. said, um, I love Joe. So uh, people also don't realize that it's not an inherent thing. It's a muscle that has to be exercised. But some exactly. people won't sketch because they say they aren't good drawers. It's like something you're born with, but it takes practice. And I think yes. Joe's a great example of just pushing yourself to do things that you aren't comfortable with. And I think that it really does. It gets to the heart of that our next question is kind of about sketching as thinking and, and realistically that's how lots of people used to solve uh, or think on problems instead mm -hmm. of it being just, uh, just only reserved for artists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, there are plenty of people who say, Oh, well I can't draw. I'm like, Oh, you can't write. Like if you, <laughs> if you can write, you can draw because somebody had to teach you how to mimic yeah. letters. It's the same thing, just mimicking shapes and putting them together. But I totally agree with Joe that it's really about yeah. a muscle and you have to exercise it. Yeah. And, and the thing is that actually what the brain sees when you're reading is little works of art. So I just read this from the book, Brain Rules. Hold on a second. This book, which is awesome. Everybody should read this book. He makes the science of the brain really, really simple in layman terms. And he's actually a developmental molecular biologist and research consultant and a director of the Brain Center for Applied Learning Research at Seattle Pacific University. So he's bona fide researcher. And I was reading his chapter on vision yesterday. And one of the things he was saying is that when we read, when we read a word, the brain is so entertained with every single letter it's like mini works of art. It's having a blast with these things. I, I mean, have you ever found yourself looking, I do this, reading at something and thinking, oh my goodness, the space in the U is so interesting. Look at this, look at that. <laughs> Absolutely. Make, yeah, which makes the case for us typographers that typography for functional purposes should be invisible. But he's saying that that's what the brain does. The brain, the brain is so sad, wants to see, like, it's just... You don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. It's the, the retina is actually an outgrowth of the brain. I mean, it's a fascinating what the things he says about how, the, how vision works, etc. So yes, a sketch is thinking, but no more. It's also an issue of the brain is more conditioned to recognize visuals because we were, 
when we back in the day, back way back when, when we didn't have computers, billboards or posters to look at, we had nature, animals, and the opposite sex to look at and survival. We relied on vision. We have to rely on vision to react. And it's very interesting that what sketching does is reinforcing that and helping you recognize all these concepts in one symbol. It's easier for the brain to do that. He quotes um, one study that was done uh, with a lecture, an oral, you know, a normal oral lecture with full of text. 72 hours later, people only remember 10%. You add a picture to that, 72 hours later, people remember 65% of what they were, it was said. So there's a lot of evidence to, to make us feel good that we are not the odd ones drawing, we're the normal people doing what the brain is supposed to be doing and the other people are have it wrong. <laughs> right, but it's proven and it really actually would help with memory. So mm -hmm. um, even if it's, so one of the things you teach in your classes and what I've heard you lecture on this before is that you talk about um, it being a something that helps if you can do the content if, uh, yeah. if you can sketch the content or sketch mm -hmm. something that but it also takes practice this isn't something that we just come out of the game gate yeah. ready to go so there's some prep that you do as yeah. well um you want to talk about that just a little bit so why sketching the content because the guy was sketching a monster in your class yeah. so he was just <laughs> sketching but it wasn't i'm sure you weren't talking about monsters so no. so <laughs> So what kind of stuff, how would, how would somebody get started? And again, it's a four part series, everybody. Yeah. So we're going to dip deeper, dig in, but I think you actually inspired Johnny Gwynn and Johnny, I know you're here. So if, if I'm wrong, please <laughs> pop in and say that uh, if I'm wrong, but I do think you taught him about sketch noting and then he started doing it and started practicing. But this is something that you've, you've developed a skill and really pushed yourself to do, um, more and more and you've done better so yes yeah, so, so johnny says <laughs> oh really showed me the light <laughs> thank you johnny <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i um well as a designer it's easier for me you know for us it's a little bit easier to sketch or to do something like that because we are used to dealing with shapes mm -hmm. but um if you starting out doesn't need you don't need to be a Picasso. Actually, maybe maybe we do because Picasso actually played a lot and a lot of the stuff we see on museums is like I could do that, but we don't do it. You know, right? <laughs> it's about playing. Just let yourself go. You know, just just do it. I mean, I put a lot of pressure on me on the sketch noting because then I see what people do and I'm like, oh, I want to do it that way. You have that thing, you know, comparing yourself to others. But I have gone through different styles. Sometimes it's very visual with a lot of characters sometimes or symbols. And sometimes it's more text and more lettering. I have integrated lettering into my sketch noting. Um, it, it just depends where I'm at. But to start with, you start with a line, you know, a simple line. And if you put three other lines around it, that's a square. And a square can be a person. A square can be a house. A square can be the computer. A square can be the TV that the, the other person is talking about. A square can be a bank. You know, it's, it's reducing things to a two-dimensional plane. And what's interesting about this is that even though we live in a three-dimensional world, how the retina sees or everything is in two dimensions. Mm. When I read this, I was going to have, I, I almost had a heart attack. I went downstairs to the Tyson, I need to talk to you. <laughs> Look at this. This is incredible that we are really conditioned to recognize shapes. It's not... Mm because we, you need to be taught, we are conditioned to recognize them, to differentiate between them. 
Anyway, so you start with that. You start with very simple. Um, my first sketch novel, I remember I was, I forgot to look up that notebook, but I remember it was on a Sunday morning and I was singing this, this song and it just touched me very profoundly. And I simply draw the cross and like a shape of a person going to it. And I just wrote the words, the cross compels me. And mm. it was, I still remember that because I wanted to capture that moment. I wanted to capture what that's what I was feeling that moment about that song. Right. And it it's just whatever works for you, however works for you. If color works for you, do it in color. If if more letters work for you, do it more letters. There's a, a lot of people who are very inclined to do ornaments with the letters. Do it that way or do right. shapes. I mean I know that Johnny, for example, has developed a very pictorial way of doing it. And I love it. Every time he puts, I catch one of those in my feet, I'm like, this is so beautiful. Um, Everybody develops their own style. You know, Uh, my Grody's book is excellent to help people get started with that. Uh, They had the the sketch note handbook. It's amazing because it gives you grades to do little objects so that you can have it in your vocabulary. I'm perhaps a little bit inconsistent in how I approach it because my style changes. It has changed from throughout the years to more pictorial, less pictorial, all over the place, more organized. I try different things uh, just just because, you know. But that was one of the things that I think we're going to get into a little later is that that you got bored easy. And so Mm -hmm. um, until you started kind of a... I don't know if it was a 365 project per Mm -hmm. se, but I believe Mm -hmm. it was, and you were Mm -hmm. sharing. So it was community really played a role in that as well as um, you kept using different tools because sometimes that's one of the things I feel like some people are like, Oh, well, that's not me. And you know, they get bored maybe easily and that's why they don't do it. But really what you're saying is just change tools. Then when you get bored, don't, don't let that be the stopper. Yeah. Or that it was too much time, right? A 365 project, you thought it was going to take too much time to do, right? Yes. One of the things that helped me embrace discipline, and I would call it discipline, I think that, actually, let me go back in time a little bit. When I was in college, I took a summer class at a store. There was a store who was doing a drawing class, and it was with pastels. And I was more advanced than the people taking the class because it was just people, you know, normal people, not in our school. And this, the, the, the teacher came to me and said, you take this for granted. And if you don't appreciate it, you're going to lose it because you're going to lose the ability. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I, I understand how true that is now because I didn't practice drawing enough mm-hmm. every day. And I want to draw things now and I find it very difficult or I find that the proportions are not right, etc., etc. So hold on a second. For which reason I got myself, I brought a lot of books today. This book is sketching made easy. Mm-hmm. And it's printed by Piccadilly, which is the people that make the, the notebooks imitating moleskin. Mm-hmm. This is amazing because it shows you how to do simple things. It's kind of just sketching them, you know? And you do an exercise every day or every two days. And some of them are with um, simple shapes. Like it teaches you to recognize the outward shape of something. And then you fill it in. This has been a lifesaver in the meantime. But um, 
So when that project came along, that was, I think, 2010, uh, Jet Limaco, which is, I think, a web developer in San Francisco. Uh, I could, don't quote me on that, but you can Google his name. Um, he uh, wrote for Smash Magazine an article calling it Sketching Something Every Day. And I read it and I said, oh, I could do that. Why couldn't I do that? And I started doing it. And sometimes it was very consuming. Sometimes I would do a tutorial that would take me two hours. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Sometimes I, they, they ended and I could only post a picture. I got myself a blog and I started doing it. I was one of the few people who actually finished it. Uh, a lot of people started and then they just started to, you know, to stop. They didn't continue. But I met a friend in Australia. I met a friend in another part, I think in India. I met a friend in Ukraine. Um, and we, we would talk to each other. We would keep each other, you know, like we would continue to talk to each other about what you're doing. This looks great. This doesn't look great, whatever. And it, it, the sense of accomplishment after I finished that was immense. It was just beyond anything I could ever imagine. And I said, wow, if I could do this again, I would do it. So some time went by and I didn't know how to get back into it. I didn't, Instagram was not part of the radar at the time and, or came after, I don't remember. So in 2014, I came across Caroline Kelso, which is an Instagram, and she had this little course for $20, five lessons for $20 on hand lettering. And I said, I could do that. So I did them all on a Sunday. I listened to everything on Sunday night, bam, bam, bam. And I started doing it. And she developed this community of hand letters. And you would do a, a, a month. Every month was a challenge of words or phrases or quotes. And you would post them, tag her, and use the hashtags. And she, everybody would look at each other. And the Instagram community is really very supportive. You know, everybody's very nice. And she was just incredibly supportive. And um, she would sometimes have prizes. I, have, I won one or two prizes uh, randomly. And we talk sometimes over email. And I, I really admire her because she has made, she has made it really, I mean, she has grown her business like in a matter of few years and paid her debt and everything. It's incredible. She's very open. She sends you emails to keep in touch. And she's very open about her process. Those challenges every month, doing that every month, uh, every day uh, for 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Sometimes it would take me an entire night and I would, until I got it, you know, because I was obsessed with getting the forms right, the angle, the this and that, and trying different tools. I, I became obsessed with all the tools and lettering. And I bought, I have spent so much money on that. Tyson is somewhere there, I think, so he will attest that this is true. And so these monthly challenges help me to keep going. It's not just the accountability. Now it's me. Now I want to do it. I am not following any, any right. particular monthly challenge because I'm exploring my own things. Eventually I will join another one. But right now is I have to do it. I have this desire, this, this, this obsession with doing it. Sometimes I have to take a break. I have had to take a break. So I, the other day I made, uh, two weeks ago, I, cre I filled out my, my sketchbook and I just posted the video of that and those are the things I've been, I've been posting every day and because I have to my hand so I have had to take a break but I still I'm still like oh my goodness like it kills me you, know? <laughs> you want to get it out you still yeah. have that urge to create mm -hmm. and to make things but you yeah. also were doing um, your sermons so that's yeah. like a weekly thing that you yeah. were doing and then you actually ended up you actually do that and they send you something early and then they actually print it on the bulletin each week, right? Yeah, I do a weekly bulletin. Uh, this is 
I actually didn't put pictures of that, I don't think. Um, but anyway, I create the cover of, my, of uh, the bulletin at the church every week. They send me the verse uh, by Tuesday, and they usually by Tuesday night or Wednesday or Thursday, I have it done and I send it back. And that they print it. It's, that's more typography. Sometimes it's my hand lettering in it. Um, so I do that weekly, and I, I offer to do that. Um, I did that several years ago when I was still in Iowa, the church I was going to, they wanted to hire me to do uh, symbols for the covers, to use them and reuse them. And I said, why don't we do typography? Why don't you send me the, the verses and I'll do a typographic composition? And they said, oh, but, you know, we just wanted to pay you. I, uh, we cannot pay you. Every no, I don't want you to pay me. I want to do this because it's practice for me. So that that just, I loved it. Every time I would get something, I would have to think. And I would have to, I would read mm. the verses. And I would have to think, what do I do? What do I do? How do I express this typographically in a powerful way? And then uh, I did that for like two or three years, or no, five years in back in Iowa. When I moved to Chicago, I didn't do it for two, three, four years. When I came to Mobile, uh, the church I was attending, I said, would you be interested in this? Would you like to do this? And Jane Breyers is the pastor said yes <laughs> and now it's like everybody waits for it you know everybody's like looking forward to it but i am not you know that people appreciate it is fantastic and i i love it but i i i am eager to do it because it forces this connection between what i'm thinking and what i'm seeing and helping me process that Sometimes I'm stuck and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I sketch, it doesn't come out. I sketch, nothing comes out. And I let it sit. But more often than not, I'm, it's like, bam, bam, bam. And I want it to be quick, fast, and dirty. I don't want it. It's no color. It's black and white. There are limitations to it. It's in a specific size. It has to fit this format. The more constraints, the better. Because mm. it just keeps you, not just a frame, but it forces you to think about how to make the best out of these constraints, which is really what I like as a designer. So I do that weekly and then I take notes on the sermons weekly and I do the daily thing. And sometimes I do other projects. Like I give, I give myself little challenges. Lately I've been trying, I was trying the pointed pen, but then my hand, I had to get off of that. So I did that for about a month. Um, the watercolor backgrounds, I, that was part of something I was exploring, became part of a show recently. Everything I've been doing is this practice, this discipline, this exercise, I guess we should call it, has, has become the source of other bigger projects. And it gives me just material to keep going. So um, one, one of the things I love is that you, so you went from, you got to stop sketchnoting to now you're a firm believer and you're, you know, preaching it out. So, yeah. but that has to do with you having a teachable spirit and you being able to, um, being able to shift and say, Hey, I was wrong at this. I'm going to go forward. And so I feel like that's a, a huge strength for you. Um, so when, so really it's a perspective shift and it just has continued. It's like you have the whatever that stuff they put on plants. I can't even think miracle grow. You've got the miracle grow now <laughs> for, for sketch noting or for, for just this, the way you've learned and you now realize that there's a lot of science that goes into why, why we learn that certain way. Right. Yeah. Somebody says that I'm, they're blaming me because the if book their bookshelf is going to collapse because they must be getting so many books. So that's, well, 
when I moved to Mobile, the the movers uh, that went to pick up our stuff in, in Fort Wayne, the majority of our stuff were boxes of books. And they said to me, you have a lot of books. And I'm like, and? What is your problem? I'm paying you for this. I just move them, move them. <laughs> but there's so many books. I'm saying, yes, I'm a professor. I just have to. I love books. I just told Tyson, I have a list of books on Amazon. It's about 80 books. I need to, I need to hit the, the, the checkout button because I need to buy that. <laughs> and he was like, no, no. <laughs> That's a lot of books. <laughs> I think John used to think I got a book every week. And I probably did uh, in 2013. I think I got a book, Amazon delivered every oh, week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, we are on first name basis with uh, I think Rodney is his name. He uh, drops by every day. Um, but so your perspective changed and you've really incorporated it into your life. You've incorporated it into your research. It's actually kind of taken um, a new uh, step. And every time you're learning something new, you actually really dig down. And if you guys didn't know, Alma actually writes for Smashing Magazine. She's also one of the on their editorial board so yeah. definitely check that out you'll see lots of good articles for that but you also have your temperamental temperamental <laughs> muses yes. and that's uh how how when did you start that blog well um i was collecting i've been collecting a lot of research and journal articles about sketching there's actually a lot written about this but it's like people don't know and it's partly because somewhere in the modernist, modernism time, uh, when form followed function strictly, sketching became second-class citizen to that because it was mm -hmm. considered to be too intuitive. It was still part of the process, but not highlighted like it had been before. So it went to the behind-the-scenes stuff that people do but don't talk about. It kind of seen a resurgence now because of all the books and the attention and, and the the. The, I guess the backlash against everything being so technical and so perfect, pixel perfect uh, compositions, and people are craving for something more organic. Um, so I started writing articles too about this. I had an article published in a journal, and I started thinking more about this, and I said, well, sketching looks so different for graphic designers or fashion designers or architects. The sketches of architects are just, oh, I die every time I see one. Well, I want to draw like that. Um, and I was thinking, everybody has a language for their sketches. What about us, you know? And then I started thinking about shoe designers, you know, they design stuff. You know, even guns are designed on paper. And in, in that started in the, I think in the 19th century when, or 18th century, when the United States started to do muskets, they would build prototypes out of metal. But somebody came along and said, you know what? It's easier to draw them. It's cheaper. And it's also easy to transport instead of transporting chunks of metal to be recomposed. Um, so I started to think about all this. And I said, what if I wrote a book? What if I wrote a book about sketching, about the theory behind it, about the history, about the why, about all the styles that are in all of these disciplines, how we see it, how is it actually? Uh, Sketching is actually a conversation with yourself mm. and with your thoughts and a conversation with the object that you're trying to bring out to life. It's like, it's the like short version of the nine month pregnancy, <laughs> the sketching process. And the book got accepted and I'm working on that. And I thought, okay, so I have to find a way to retain all of what I'm reading because you forget. I mean, it's not that you forget. It goes back to somewhere in your memory until something, bam, recalls right. it. So during the spring break, I decided, I started to investigate Evernote 
you have to pay a subscription to collect more, to have more stuff there. And I compare that. And then I also saw Mendeley. Mendeley is an app for researchers, for academicians to keep the literature review together. And then you can put notes and everything that there's a subscription to that. I ended up that getting another blog because I have three blogs. Getting another blog was cheaper than getting subscriptions. And I said, well, that's what I'm doing. So I call it Temperamental Muses, which is the name I resurrected from a previous blog some years ago. And I'm writing weekly. I'm writing uh, an art a short article or a short thing weekly of what I'm thinking. It's more like a stream of consciousness. I'm not concerned with ratings. I'm not concerned with the analytics. I just want to put my thoughts somewhere that I can go back and, and get them and put them together cohesively later. I needed to find a way to see this book taking shape that wasn't uh, abstractly in my head or in, in I mean, I hi, I'm a highlighter. See, I highlight everything. But then I have to go back and, and look at all of that. And I'm, I cannot read and write. I, I find that that holds me back. And then I do these diagrams when I read stuff. Sorry, that book fell. I do these diagrams. This is about how the light enters the, the eye and goes to the thalamus and then to the visual cortex and all my notes. But I needed a place to, so this is gonna go on my blog tomorrow. I needed a place to record things. So I started that and every week I write a little post, maybe a thousand words or less of what I read that week and how it informs something different about sketching and drawing. Which you also have said that uh, when we've talked, you've said that, you know, um, sketching is similar to writing you know people yes. think oh uh i'll i mean most people think and they say they talk about if i write every day i'll get better mm -hmm. but people maybe don't do it or they don't relate it to the same way as as we do to sketching and you're saying it's the same thing you just need to do it every day and mm -hmm. you'll get better yeah. just like writing it's just another skill that people mm -hmm. have to do, but it's also about processing information. Usually people, when they're writing, they come up with information yeah, and they can think of things differently because yeah. they're doing it. So one of the things when we, me and you have, uh, mm -hmm. we require 50 sketches for a project. <laughs> but uh, I, some of my students are here. They hate me. <laughs> <laughs> right. They are my students too. And they will hate me also. So, but they end up, um, when you get out in the real world, it's a it's a thinking. Usually the first 10 sketches or maybe the first 15 are kind of weak sketches. They're not really solving a problem or in an unconventional way. And I showed you a book. I'll go get it in yes. a second. But um, uh, Michael Beirut really yes. talks about his sketches and how he really solves things. So yes. uh, why do you think? So students complain about doing too many. But then when we get out in the real world, a lot of times we don't have time to do it or we don't make time to do it. So why do you think that is? And why do you think now there's this kind of resurgence of, and, and it is design thinking. It is instead of just solutions that are mm -hmm. quick and easy, mm -hmm. we start really solving. So can you talk about that a little bit and I'll go get that book? I think, <laughs> I think it's an issue of oh, not really appreciating the place or the role it has in the process and not really giving the time to it. Um, I wasn't at an agency, an advertising agency for a little bit. Um, I didn't last long and we can go into that another time. Um, it was difficult to be there because I was sitting on a desk all the time. And one of the things I like about sketching is that it's kinesthetic. I used to be a dancer. So, I mean, I can sit down for a while, but after a while I'm like, I'm restless. I need something, I need to do something. Sketching gives me a way to do that something that is physical 
but stay where I need to be if I need to be sitting down somewhere. Um, so that's another matter. But um, the place it has in the design process, because some time ago I was sort of relegated to this, to second class citizen in favor of a more, I guess we could call it what people consider a more scientific approach to problem solving based on uh, word association, brainstorming, um, and things like that. Then sketching was like, okay, yeah, you can draw, you can do it, and we don't need to talk about it. But there's so much in those sketches that are actually capturing those, those processes that people are not really seeing. And I guess people don't consider it as important enough. The computer has also had an effect on this. The programs, they become more efficient every day. The students want to go, uh, students tend to want to go to the computer way too quickly. In fact, this morning I was talking to, I don't know if he's here, but if he is, he can say his name if you want to. I was talking to a student outside and he called me up to see something and I could tell he had a sketch. And I said, have you sketched anything? And he said, no. And I said, why? Oh, because this is doing two weeks. And I'm like, 15 minutes. It's not two weeks, 15 minutes is only a min so minimal fraction and it gives so much more dividends. And this would look so much better Have you sit if you sit down and take some time to think about what you want and you actually sketch it out, even if it's really loose sketches. So we talked about that. Um, so I think um, also the time constraints, you know, in an agency things are so fast and, you know, deadlines, deadlines are king, you know. Um, and people feel like that just taking the time to do a little bit, three, five or 10 minutes is, is taking much more than what it is. When actually my, in my experience, and I could be wrong, when I go to the computer without a plan, I waste more time pushing pixels than right. actually doing what I need to do because the screen, this thing that is magnificent, I, I love toys, but this thing doesn't talk to me. I mean, Siri could talk to me, but come on, Siri is a nasty lady or a nasty British man, like that's my voice, a British male, because if I'm going to obey someone, it should be a British male, I think. So I am like looking at this and thinking, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then I go to Pinterest and what do I do? What do I do? And it's like waiting for the bell to ring instead of sitting down for 10 minutes and letting the bell ring when it has to be because you are actually making that mark. And the beauty of the sketches is that once you make a mark, it's like it, it's, it just reproduces. Suddenly you, bam, have this idea and another idea comes up and then you make another mark and another idea comes up and suddenly you remember other things that you had seen and you didn't pay attention before. It kind of has a life of its own and it keeps, it keeps evolving, it snowballs from there. Right. Um, so you had something pulled up because I was in your office just before this. Uh -huh. <laughs> so can you pull up something that was uh, your sketches of a project where then it became a poster? I believe it was the yeah. senior poster last year or a year mm. before last. Oh no, that was um, what I have. Hold on, do I need to do share screen? Right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And, and Johnny said sketching is faster to explain the idea than copying on the computer. Amen. Yes. That's why sketching is better. Is it, it sketching better is important to creating more ideas in the ideation phase of the creation. And just so you guys know, I think some things kind of hold you back. And so Johnny has a friend who's kind of taught him how to do faces. I I was like, you know, that really is something I'm held back by. So I did a Skillshare with Amaryllis Henderson. She's going to be on next week and teaching us how to do faces and just 
kind of get some of that down so that that's not what's going to be holding us back. And mm -hmm. then Johnny's going to be there the next week to kind of take <laughs> us from, he was inspired by Alma many years ago. And then now he's kind of taken it and he's just gone amazing. And he's been able to, your drawing has improved uh, tremendously. And now you're able to think better quickly on your feet when you do have an idea. Exactly. For a Mm -hmm. So let me pull this up. Um, can you see it? No? Yeah. Yes. There? It's just a tiny. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this I did. This was um, some in 2012, I think it was when I was at IPFW in Indiana. We had a show, the faculty, mm. three of us had a show and we, tit we titled it The Other. And it had to do with issues of diversity, uh, racism, dystopia, utopia, etc. And of course, because I was a designer, they told me, could you do the, the poster? And I'm like, any opportunity like that, I jump on it because it gives me a chance to do something. Sometimes we're too eager, right? And we don't get paid and we're like, oh, but I loved it so much anyway. <laughs> so this I did, the thing about these the sketches is that I did them watching TV. Mm -hmm. I was just sitting down and it took me about an hour and I came up with these sketches. Um, and then, and I kept going and see my sketches are not super precise, you know, they're kind of loose and I started to play with all of that and think of other things. And you can see this one here. This is the poster. Mm -hmm. So this is the sketch. This is where I landed into this somehow. This is the last one. And then this is the poster. And as soon as I had that sketch, I went to the computer and I got it done. And it Catherine. was done. Catherine Moore from CCAC. Do you remember her? She's yes. an illustrator. She yeah. said, awesome sketches. And she said, hey, everybody, earlier. But anyway, I <laughs> just wanted you. you to know. She was there, too. <laughs> Thank you. So that's uh, how I came about that. So to me, you know, sometimes these sketches are more detailed than other times. And that's okay. Because, you know, not every time you're going to design the same way uh, mm -hmm. or sketch the same way. But, but at least there's some thoughts there. So if I wanted to come back to this, to one of these, I know exactly what I need to do. I know what I was thinking. I know, you know, I'm thinking here something different, uh, an anomaly in a pattern of squares or rectangles as right. a circle. You know, it just, it just becomes a way of having this conversation. And the thing is, I, I actually wrote about this in my blog. Um, this is, it took me an hour, 35 sketches. I did a total of 35 sketches in an hour. Watching a show with Tyson, um, right. that was that was it. Well, and I think Johnny has a good point where he said, you know, he wants to see someone's process, and I feel like that's a people are remiss if they're not adding that into their portfolio because it really is how they think. So we understand that you can produce something, but what was the ideation? How many other great ideas did you not produce? Because that would also be a really big uh, tell when you're looking when you're looking for a job. Yeah. And of course, you know, there are projects who are going to be super fast and you need to crank them out really sure. quick. But, you know, a little dot, even if it's a little dot here and there, just, just bam, gives you that idea. Right. Um, I mean, when I do the weekly covers, I don't, I, I can't, I, because it's so quick and I have to have it there by Thursday. I, and I work this semester, I work, work Wednesday all day, all night. So I don't have time to do it on Wednesday. So I try to do it on, on Tuesday night right away. I don't have time, you know, I don't have all the time to sit down and sketch many sketches. So sometimes it, my sketches become a little line or a little two lines here and there because of the deadline, but that's okay. You know, it's okay because I replenish that in other ways and I'm building this muscle in other areas to give me that speed right. um, for this particular situation. 
Should I stop the share? Yes, no? please. Oh, okay. There we so go. <laughs> this is um this is the book I was trying to say. It's by Michael Beirut. How yes. to um, use graphic design to sell things, explain things, make things look better, blah blah. All this will be in a link in the show notes. But yeah, this is kind that. of him yeah. doing you know, really looking at one piece yes. of, I do make them sketch proportionally because I feel like yeah. we can do that because we know how big uh, or what the proportions are. But in the beginning, I think it's as students. All right. So let's go to number six. Um, you <laughs> and I have talked about how the brain, uh, uh, how the brain, how it processes information. Also about getting better at something requires this practice and commitment of time. And I feel like that was one of the things that, that a lot of people are held back. And we've just talked about it a little bit, but I kind of just want to give, um, uh, give you a little bit of time to tell about, because you were very busy. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're, you're working full time. You're doing these side projects. How, how did you make the time to make that commitment because really it is it's a it used to call it discipline when it which it absolutely is but um okay the end why is it <laughs> i don't know i don't know where i was going with that but it's really is about time and effort i guess and you also saw yourself improve mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. in a fairly short amount of time mm -hmm. especially with the lettering um i think you know, it's not only all the stuff I have to do or the responsibilities I have. I also handle a physical condition that I have to monitor and I have to manage. So I don't have, you know, when people say to me, oh, you have so much time because you're a professor or I don't have that time because I have two jobs or whatever. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> I don't complain. I don't ever, nobody ever hears me saying anything, but I manage something that it's difficult sometimes and so I have limited time and limited energy that I have to invest very wisely. Um, but I have discovered and I have seen throughout doing this that we waste a lot of time. You know, mm. I mean, that's the truth. While you're waiting for a phone call, you know, you could be reading something to, to fit your brain. While you're, I go to my children's um, swim meets. That's all day. And I could be talking to a lot of people and I do do that and I sit down with them and, you know, socialize. But I go to my corner and I take about 45 minutes or half an hour or whatever it is and I take all my supplies with me because everything moves with me. And I draw or I play or I do watercolor or I do doodles or I do this. I, pretty much, I try to do it everywhere I go. Um, I took the... I was in the habit, I haven't done this in a while, but I was in the habit of every restaurant I went with my in-laws, I would letter that. And I would sit down for a while and I would letter that. And this is a compulsion. Um, I don't know, I know everybody's not the same way, but I think this is something I have learned to appreciate. It's, I consider it a gift. And mm. I consider it something that I have been blessed with. And whether I'm good or not, it's not an issue anymore for me. I just do it because I love it. Right. I, I want to do it. I want to express myself. I want to draw. I want to paint. I want to do the lettering. I want to do the sketch noting because it's just a way to marry my thoughts with the object. But and, you've, you've drank the Kool-Aid now, but the, yeah. a, there was a time when you did not believe this was for you. And mm -hmm. so I guess, I think some people are kind of in that they don't believe, you know, I mean, you're all about it. Like you mm -hmm. totally get it, but it, it did take, and Johnny, I'll probably ask you that question as well, because I feel like you get um, when it went in two weeks, when it's your week. Um, but 
what do you think changed you and, and what, was it the community? Because I feel like you had that community on Twitter where you guys were sharing and you were all doing it together. Was that what was so impactful or was it something else? I think it was lack of purpose. It was mm-hmm. a lack of, um, of believing that I had a purpose with this. It was thinking that to be a designer, you had to be a client. You had to have a client. And if you didn't have a client, you were not really a designer. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things that are not necessarily true, but we do believe. And I believe that every single student in the classroom has this urge to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that there are many things that compete with that. And mm-hmm. I'm in the, in the point my, at a point in my life where I don't have a lot of competition um, at the set for my kids and my husband and all the th- other things I have to do. So I have become very focused on this. Competition with things, you know, what do you give attention to? And I, mm-hmm. there's something that Sean West said um, I registered for one of his classes. Um, he said that if you're not doing your own stuff, you're promoting somebody else's. Mm. And that day I said, whoa, wait, what? Okay, that really did it for me. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to invest in myself. I used to have my grandfather, which more or less raised me too. Um, he used to say to me, he didn't go to school. He was actually forced out of school when the United States took over Puerto Rico. And this is a political lesson for some of you. When the United States took over Puerto Rico, um, he was quick out of school. And he didn't go to school. He didn't graduate. He learned, he knew how to read and how to write. And I remember as a kid, he was a, pro- a radio producer. I would do his invoices and I would sign for him. But he used to tell me, if you spend money on a piece of clothing or shoes you're gonna grow out of them Mm. but if you spend money on things that you keep here they're never gonna leave you you're gonna take them with you when you die I never forget that never forget that and I don't know if it's that that gave me this curiosity to learn because I did never forget those words he would say what you learn you take with you nothing else Mm. so for me it has become an issue of I want to spend time well, actually, Anthony Christofoli said this, spend your time refining what you love. And I have embraced that I have this gift. I have been fortunate to have a husband who's extremely supportive. I mean, he could not be better if he tried. My in-laws, which they said they were going to be here. I don't know if they are because I can barely see that. Linda Hoffman, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. She's here. My in-laws are, I mean, they're extremely supportive people of my art, of my work, of my design. I have, I, I every time they, they, you know, they're very encouraging, very, very encouraging. Um, my best friend, um, she practically believes I'm an angel from heaven just because I can draw and paint and, and do these lettering things. That to me, some kind of, kind of came to a, to a point where it converged for me. And I said, it doesn't really matter if I believe I'm good or not. Mm. What matters is that I love it. And, mm. and the practice itself is going to take care of the quality of the skill. And that's the thing. You don't have to start out being good. And it's true. We, we strive. We have this urge to be better. True. Keep it there. Let that fool you. But you don't have to be that when you start. You have to let that fuel you and continue because it t- the practice takes care of the quality of the skill. And at the end, you're going to get better and better and better. One of my professors at Iowa State University, Alan Mickelson, used to say, you're never as good as you think you are, but you're never as bad as you think you are. (laughs) And 
I always remember that. I always mm-hmm. remember because I was, I came to school to graphic design late in my life. Everybody else was 10 years younger than me. And I was really behind. Everybody know how to, knew how to use the computer. I had to learn to use the computer. I had to learn to use the software. It was very challenging. In fact, I wanted to leave graphic design. The moment I got in, it was by admission review. We all, they only took at that time 40 people out of 100. I was one of those 40 people. Everybody was happy except me. I was like, oh, what have I done? This is, this is not what I thought. And I wanted to leave and on October 31st. Um, 1993, I think it was, I went to my advisor's office and I said, here's the pink slip. And since you're my advisor, you need to sign it. And he said, what is that for? I'm dropping this. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. No, you're not. And I'm like, you're my advisor. Your job is to sign. And he said, no, it's not. And I'm like, hmm, we are, we are here at the point that we don't agree. <laughs> and he said, give yourself till December. And I did. And when I finished that semester, I sort of, after October, it took a turn. And I learned to embrace it. This is just, I mean, to think that you have the power to create something that potentially millions of of people are going to see, that you did that. That's to me, it's like, wow, mind blowing. The first time I did a poster at the university and it was posted on the billboard and everybody was passing by, I I did that, I did that, I did that. That to me, it's not just a gift, it's a privilege. It's a Mm. privilege I take very seriously. It's a responsibility. It's, oh, I don't know. It's just, you know. I do. So I, um, we are out of time. So I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you. So you can follow her. I'm going to paste it in. You can follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, Alma Hoffman, H O F F. M-A-N-N. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you get those down. And then on LinkedIn, it's just Alma Hoffman. All the others are all one word. And then she has AlmaHoffman.com and AlmaHoffman.net. Are those pretty much the same thing or are those two different no. content? Um, AlmaHoffman.net, I set up for the tenure thing, for the oh. tenure and promotion thing. Okay. And then, <laughs> and people can go there and look. It's fine. Sure, yeah. So it might help somebody else who's... Uh, navigating the tenure process and then <laughs> temperamentalmuses.com is also and then she also has um her etsy shop is well chosen letters and it actually have the link like plugged into the website my website rechargingyou.com where it has all these books that we talked about and um it has i've just tried to do it while we were going so mm-hmm. there's a link um and then all the, her well-chosen letters. So I think those are things that you're, you've had shows and you sell some original pieces of work, right? Yeah, I do. I no, they're not on Etsy, but they are on Sashi Gallery. I sell some of my stuff in Sashi Gallery. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Aw- awesome. Well, um, oh, look, Brian is the best. Thank you, Brian, for getting the, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I just, um, I get to work with Alma all the time, and so I'm really excited, and we get to have the same students. So um, if you want to study with us, we do have a master's program, people. <laughs> so um, uh, just a little plug there. So you can go to southalabama.edu and, or slash art, and then you can check us out. And then you got two geeky type people who And love- you, should, you should say what Keith said about our program. He said to a potential student, you know, we teach you how to think here. 
and it's not just about design. We teach you how to think and to be become to become a well-rounded student. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> It is. It's a. Uh, it, it's a. We have a, and we teach lots of other things too. I mean, not us. We teach just design, but there's other people that teach lots of other cool things. So, um, if you're interested, be happy to talk to you about that. As I'll be the grad coordinator again next year. I um, want to say. I want to say one thing. I am sorry I didn't keep up with the chat, but I can see it. <laughs> oh, so at the at the bottom. No, no, says, I can't be a oh. Biologically, is there? Oh. Physically, is there? <laughs> I cannot read it. So, but thank you all of you for the comments and I hope I can go back and read them because I, I'm, I cannot read small. <laughs> so Kent says your enthusiasm is infectious. And I think that's one of the things that thank makes her you. such a great teacher. Um, I do think she holds uh, students' feet to the fire as I think <laughs> I try to do as well. And I know that she's really, really, really good with type. Every time I'm around her, I always learn something new. It's like Rachel with type ed. I think you guys would uh, get along real well. But thank you guys for coming. And again, this is a part one of a four-part series. So next week, we have actually two design recharges. One is, I believe, on Thursday, and that's with Amaryllis Henderson. And we're just going to be really talking about faces and uh, just drawing uh, anything from race to gender to maybe even age pulling in. And so she has a Skillshare class. So if you wanted to do that, that would be uh, cool to do beforehand. But we're going to kind of talk about some of those things that go into that. And then we also have um, my friend Noah Scalen has done, which actually kind of goes with what almost talking about a lot. He has a new book coming out. I've had him on two other times um, early on. And so he has a new book called Creative Sprint and it's in April. Oh, yes. They do a creative, they send you yes. an email and you can mm -hmm. actually go to creativesprint.com, I believe, yes. and or creativesprint.org maybe. And they send you an email and it's a creative exercise. And he's somebody who started the 365 project a long time ago and it was really successful. And I was listening to the Honest Designers podcast this morning and they talk about how, you know, your side project sometimes leads into mm -hmm. uh, a real full-time paying thing or, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. clients wanting that. And so Noah did a skull a day and there wasn't anybody who was like, yeah, man, I need you to make a skull for me. But what it did was it made him explore a bunch of different mediums. And from that work, he got other work that he was doing that wasn't skulls, but it was just showing about problem solving. And because you had to do something in 365 days, it was huge. So we'll be blessed next week to have two design recharges. Noah will be the normal time on um, or Wednesday at 1.30 Central. You can do the math for the other time slots. <laughs> um, but then um, Amaryllis, I believe, is on Thursday, and it may be even Thursday morning because she has kids and she has to get her kids. And so that was the only time I always try to – um, make it work for people and I thought it was really it, it's a really good uh, content to bring you so I would love to know what you guys think oh Brian said creative sprint.co is what it is for anybody mm -hmm. listening on Amazon but um, again if you want to help me out the best way to do that is write a review on am uh, not on Amazon that that would be a weird place to write a review um, mm -hmm. on iTunes that would be great <laughs> for the podcast or even give me a thumbs up on YouTube or put a comment on the recharging you site and see what you thought about this. So that would be helpful. So Maria said she just bought the book on um, Amazon. She's just waiting now. Um, so thank you guys all. Brian, thank you for sharing. Brian White, thank you for sharing this out to 
um, your crew in the Slack channel as well as on everybody. Alma, you did a great job of sharing thank it out you. on Twitter. So thank you. But Alma, thank you so much. I'm glad I get to work with you. I can glad I can go give you a hug right now. And um, <laughs> I just am thankful that we get to work together and I get to learn from you. And you guys hopefully learned a little bit about sketchnoting and maybe you guys will um, get excited and get started and just go sketch your notes and yeah. take practice. <laughs> Do that. So we'll see you guys next week twice. Bye. And don't forget, you can always reach me at Diane at rechargingyou.com or follow me on Instagram or Twitter at, at design recharge. All right. Bye y'all. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>